0: Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Ed and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane.
1: I think at the end of the day, I mean, you know, you talk about individual guys. Um, you know, I'm sure that Gardner wishes, you know, he had some plays back and was able to, you know, you know, make some more plays for us to win. I think whenever you get, you know, those questions and you lost, I mean. Um, obviously everyone, you know, including myself, we want to get, we want to get more. So I think it's difficult. I think, you know, um, you know, at the end he was throwing there and, um, you know, I think he was, you know, 31 for 44. So, you know, he had two touchdowns, didn't have any interceptions, had the fumble, you know, got hit from behind, trying to make a play. So, you know, that's always difficult. So, you know, he's doing everything he can. Um, you know, we just got to, you know, execute better.
0: I just took a deep breath. A sigh. We'll get to Gardner Minshew in a bit. Um, still think it's early in Gardner Minshew's career. But these he's confusing me more and more these last couple of weeks and the numbers I always say I like to say you know, it's kind of that old adage and numbers don't lie. Eh, sometimes maybe they do lie a little bit. Um, I kind of feel that way a little bit about the defense and the flow of the game yesterday. Gave the Jags a chance, again, relative to where they've been. And now even Minshew's numbers over these last couple of weeks, a little questionable uh in terms of where he's playing, how he's playing. But then I, I will say this, and we're going to get to him. But some of the drives they put together, if you look at the drive chart for the Jacksonville Jaguars,
1: yeah.
0: another slow start. And then go look at the next two drives. They're 12 plays, touchdown, 12 plays, should have been a chip shot field goal. I mean, those are two fantastic drives. So you can't tell me they're playing bad on offense. Yeah, But they're not doing enough on offense when yeah. you need to do more on offense and you need to carry the team on offense. <laughs> what are you looking at? I just, I just saw the tweet
1: that you put out. I thought, thought the defense played okay in the <laughs> game. up was <laughs> I mean, no, rest no. of it. okay uh I thought the defense played okay in the game at five hundred yards and thirty points I'm a moron no you're not a moron man right, right well, because, thank you. that makes me yeah yeah better. yeah you <laughs> hey hey take it from me if I know one thing I know defense I don't I know morons and you you're not a moron all right <laughs> don't let I'm tell you differently Brent Martin no you're not a moron um I get it Th- that game felt differently a little bit on defense right so you have every right to say that obviously towards the end um Hit the fan to say the least. I get where you're coming from, but at the end of the day, once again, the, the numbers don't lie. And, you know, like, I, I wish I could put a finger on just what exactly is happening. Like, I can say, like, yeah, obviously the personnel, right? But isn't that such an easy thing to say? What's the personnel? You know, I mean, they have one of the worst rosters on defense in the NFL. That's, that's the, to me, that's the easy way out, right? Like, I need more substance. I need something better to, to bring the table. And just, oh, they don't have the, the personnel. No, it's got something to do with it. Don't get me wrong. But like I'm reminded, and I saw it a little bit on Chase on yesterday. And to be fair, I thought Chase played an okay game, right? I mean, he got obviously got held
0: on that one play, NFL yeah. officiating. If you're
1: listening, but it's interesting because if you watched him in the run, um, like I guess I think he did okay. I think he was obviously exceeding more in the pass than he was in the run. And I'm reminded the first day of the training camp I went to go watch. And I was off of the sidelines, and I'm watching Chase on um, by himself before practice with uh, excuse, with a coach as well. But they're going over the first steps. Because yeah, like, he was working off to the yeah, side at that yeah, time. And I'm like, oh, I mean, this is, this is cool. Like, he's asking for extra work, working on his steps a little bit. And then every practice that i went to, he was doing the same thing. And he was working on his steps. Now, usually, if you try to master your crafts, and one day it's hand placement, one day it's steps. But it was always Chase on working on his steps. So I'm like, well, dang, man. Like, you went to LSU. You played some pretty good competition. Like, are your steps that bad? And then it dawned on me. He's never played with his hand in the dirt. Yeah, This guy's used to standing up, right? And then it also dawned on me. Taven Bryan, remember when they brought him in to play a five technique, even though he's never played it before? And then it dawned on me. Remember when they put Miles Jack at middle linebacker? And to me, it speaks Josh more. Josh Allen go on that. Yeah, well, Josh too. Allen as well, right? So to me, it speaks to, man, you got a lot of guys right now that you drafted – Obviously, extremely high in the first round. And then, let's be honest, when you draft a guy in the first round, you expect him to play right away. Right. Set aside from the quarterback position, obviously. But if you're a first round pick, you're drafted with expectations to play right away. The problem, though, with a lot of these guys like Taven Bryan, like Josh Allen, like Chase on is they're learning the spot. Like it's not so much of, listen, you're, you're a rookie. Get in there and just do your thing. No, it's you're a rookie. Get in here and do us what we ask you to do because you're not accustomed to this. And I think that's why the past couple of years maybe you've seen some regression on the defensive line
0: that's that's what I can come up come up with basically yeah I want to you know? and, and you might be right yeah. I mean uh, you know take some time it doesn't mean the book's closed on some of these guys. I didn't Not think jason had the best day that he's had, and that position people will tell you it takes all different kind of varies so, you know some guys are awesome right away, some yeah. guys takes two years, sometimes it takes half a season uh, to really you know, hit their stride and yeah. you know ask them to do other things they're not accustomed to probably delays that Listen, I'm not closing And also the, the camp and everything else.
1: And I'm not closing the book by any means on you know, on Chase on for sure. I mean, it's his first year. He's going to have some bumps here or there. I'm just saying as we have to look at the situation with open eyes here and say, you know what? Yeah, maybe he didn't have the best day or maybe not the best season, but they're asking him to do things he's never done before in college. And as a rookie, that can be hard to do. Like, I had the luxury when I came from Murray State, came from Tucker's defense, it's like, do exactly what we did at Murray State. Play, play the seven technique, play the tight end, we'll coach along the way. So by the time I started my first game uh, in Dallas, I think it was week five or week six, dude, I was fine. I mean, now granted, like obviously the size, the speed was different, but from a technique perspective, I was fine. And when I'm confident with my technique, I don't got to think about it. I right. think right now you got guys pressing on the defensive line that are being
0: asked to do things that they're not accustomed to do. And it's like my golf swing adjustment. There, it is. Just made. I'll be there it is. I've been thinking about it all day tomorrow on the course. Is it going to work or not? No, i am been back out. Oh, you haven't tried it yet, no.
1: man? You get a golf tip and you waited the whole weekend. And yeah, I I so I got Dang. work to do, man. I got.
0: I, what is that like? <laughs> this, what is that like? Uh, all right, Josh Jones, and then we're gonna go bigger picture. Yeah, yeah. I want to get to Dak Prescott too. I know Miss Jenny's probably uh, listening and wants to hear about that and what you have to say about that yeah. specifically, yeah, uh, as it pertains to one uh, one thing. Yeah. but Josh Jones. And this, by the way, this is not a hey Jags would have won if Josh Jones was in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, listen, I'm not saying that. This drives me nuts in college, and now we're going to bring it to the NFL? Hmm. Where, guys, targeting is a big thing in college. They're trying to get it out of the game. They're trying to make the game safer in the NFL. I'm all for it. I appreciate it. I, it's a violent game, and if you go lead with your head, yeah. it's a dangerous thing. you got to coach it out of them. you got to fine it out of them. you got to penalty it out of them. I understand. But there is a huge difference in sports, folks, between malicious behavior and and play in the game, and something happens. I mean, there is just a big difference. In college, it drives me absolutely bananas that these guys are, like, automatically ejected. I know they're not – I mean, they're not automatically ejected. They review the play and stuff, but they're ejected. Nine out of ten times now, they keep the play, and they're leading with their head, and they usually get the call right. should be a 15-yard penalty, and if just like the unsportsman, like if you do it twice, boom, you're gone. Mm -hmm. You should not be ejected. You can't convince me otherwise because I just feel like nine out of ten times, these are not – malicious plays there, there's no intent to be malicious here now if you need if you figure that out and you want to use judgment to be like that was dirty yeah well then okay do it okay so now we go to yesterday and the the helmet to helmet hit it was helmet to helmet yeah it should be flagged it's unfortunate even for the defender because i think it was brandon cooks it was mm-hmm. Catches the ball, lowers the target area big time, and in a split second, and I still haven't done this and I want somebody to do this, go time how much from the time he catches the ball and starts to land to when helmet-to-helmet contact happens. I guarantee you it's less than a second, maybe Mm -hmm. 1.1 or 1.2. And so in that time, they want Josh Jones to make a decision other than hitting that guy helmet to helmet. Now the decision should be lead with the shoulder, right? Yeah. That's the textbook part. Correct. But how you tell me that deserves an ejection? An ejection for that? I was stunned, man. I was like, wait oh, a minute, did they change it. the rule when I missed it? No, did man, they yeah. change the rule? The the officials have the say whether that was essentially malicious intent to get him out of the game. I mean, you're out of your freaking mind if you thought that should have been an ejection. I, I couldn't I guess, believe he was ejected. I guess I'm out of my mind then. You I
1: mean, thought
0: you how no, could no, it no, be ejected? No, listen,
1: listen. I'm not, first of all, I'm not saying I agree with it whatsoever. I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's bad. I almost it's swore It's not there. an automatic so ejection
0: close. in the NFL is my point. It's well, not automatic. No, listen,
1: man. I, I understand you, okay? And listen, I'm, I'm talking about a game I watched in Georgia, Tennessee, where DeAndre Johnson got ejected for lowering his helmet and hitting the quarterback. Now – Was that malicious intent? Probably. Did the quarterback, like, 10 years from now he's going to have, you know, major CT trauma from it? Absolutely not because he barely touched him. Like, that's just the world that we're living in now. And I'm not saying it's right. Like, Josh Jones, the rules did Josh Jones no favors, right? Because you're asking a guy in a split second to change up what he's about to do because somebody lowered their shoulder pads. That's not right. And And I'm not agreeing with that being right. All I'm agreeing with is the rules clearly state that if you lower your head with malicious intent, You're gone. Now, whether it was malicious intent, whether Josh Owens, like, I'm going to hurt this dude, probably not. But when you lower the crown of your head, that's a weapon. And once again, I don't want my words to be misconstrued here. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying in the confines of the rules, when he lowered his head, it
0: was targeting. But But wait, I just... Again, I'm not I'm not saying it's it's not a penalty. Like I get it. It's helmet to helmet, you gotta do it. I still think it's tough for the defender, it's hard to play defense. You know me, I think defense is dead because it's hard to play. Correct. It's like impossible to play, and that's another example of it. Now you and you're also trying to teach, get the head out of the action mm-hmm. of tackling. And so I understand why they throw the penalty. We see this play all the time in the NFL, man. We see it all the time with like I, I was floored. That he was ejected. I think actually the announcing team was stunned that he was ejected. Mm-hmm. And I would be just ticked off that I was ejected. Uh, no suspension apparently today is what one of the national guy Pellicero or something. I was like, well, he better not be suspended. Shouldn't even have got ejected, in my opinion, for that. So it's just uh, I don't think we see it. That's not a very consistent call in the NFL. We watch enough NFL games, and I'm telling you, I see enough helmet to helmet. Sometimes the flag is thrown, sometimes it's not. I don't see guys being ejected often. Maybe I'm not watching enough I mean, games, but Ramsey knocks out Kyle Allen. And this isn't a Ramsey thing, but we have this situation yesterday yeah. where Ramsey helmet to helmet, Kyle Allen out of the game. Mm-hmm. He got a flag. He didn't get ejected. Yeah. And Listen, that was against a quarterback. I'm, I'm, I'm watching it right now,
1: and I'm rewatching this play over and over again. And he leads with his head. All right, he doesn't bring his, his his arms with him, and he leads with his head. Now, once again, a lot of that's got to fall on Cooks, where he obviously gets a little lower. It wasn't like Cooks like oh, I'm going to set him up here. I just yeah. call it like listen. It's a split second play. <laughs> it's so okay? fast. It's so fast. It is so fast. And, but at the end of the day, like listen, he, he leads with his head. I mean, I don't know what more you want me to say. His head is down. He leads with the crown of his head. Okay, but, but as now, you
0: understand the rule, leading with your head is not automatic ejection. Exactly, but but here's the point though. If you
1: if it's up for debate and it's like, well, is going to be ejection or not? You think the NFL is going to err on the side of caution and player safety, especially when it comes to protecting their offensive players, or are they going to say,
0: no, it wasn't targeting? Come on, man. Well, they're trying to preach safety, but I don't know because I wasn't watching the Rams game live. I just saw the replay. I don't know if they considered that in the Ramsey one. I mean, if my, I guess if you're going to do it, even though I hate it in college, at least they're consistent with it in college. The guy walks out of the stadium. Well, now he can sit yeah, on but, the sideline. Yeah. Do yeah. you think
1: Ramsey was different? Well, I mean – See, I'm putting the video right now. Like He tries to lead with his shoulder here. Okay? Like, you can tell he's making an effort to lead with his shoulder because he brings his arm up. If you talk about Josh Jones, he doesn't bring his arm up. He literally goes like this. I mean, you, you watch it for yourself. And I look. am watching. Okay. But it's clear helmet. How- <laughs> no, it, well, once again, Brent. and I'm, I'm not saying this is not targeting either. That's that blatant targeting. I, I get, but thing, I'm saying, you know what I'm saying with the arm, where he throws his arm up there, watch it, and he tries to leave with yeah, shoulder. Yeah,
0: I, I see what you're saying in the action, and now I'll have to go back and watch the Jones one, too. Oh, let's go, I can bring it up real quick, man. We'll have a live diagnostic. The, the bottom line here is he did it. That's not what they say in college. They didn't say, well, he tried to do this. He tried to do this. They don't even allow that. Yeah. Which I don't like, but they don't. And listen, I think this
1: is a dumb rule in general. Right? Like, th- that's a football play to me. But as you can see, he leads with his head.
0: It's as simple as that. He does with no shoulder. It is a there, different There's no leading. shoulder. But, well, I don't know that left shoulder's not. A, know, from man, that man, angle, can, it looked like a left shoulder. Okay. I mean, we, but, we can consider here and nitpick off. See, here's what I'm left. trying to, here's what I I think was happening with the Josh Jones one. Yeah. I think he's ready to go hit him in the gut. Sure. And try to poke the ball out. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's where I think the intent of Jones was there. He's like, I'm going to hit him, try to dislodge the ball. Well, then all of a sudden, Cooks lowers his head, and bam, you got head-to-head contact.
1: Listen, you're acting like I don't think the rule is stupid, because the rule is stupid. I'm just saying, to me, it looks like he led with the crown of his head. Now, whether that's, I mean, say what you want, man. Like, I think it's a dumb rule. I think that you're putting, I think you could be putting people at risk of injury even more, where, listen, if Jones doesn't do that, then what happens? What happens if he goes too high? He gets hit in the ribs or something like that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I'm not mad at that play. Just in the confines of the rule, I think it applies to that rule. Now, I don't like the rule. I can't stand the rule. You're doing defensive uh,
0: backs zero favors by putting rules like that up there.
1: Just the way it is. Yeah. Uh,
0: I just, I guess I would ask the NFL, much like I've asked college football, unless you see just crazy intent there to kick a guy out of the game, I think it's terrible that you kick guys out of the game for it. Yeah. I just think it's the speed of the game is. We are slow-mo replaying to decide if a guy should be ejected. That should not be the case. You want to overturn a call out of bounds, a fumble, slow-mo replay. But if you have to slow-mo replay and then take away the entire speed of the game and don't even consider that, well, then you're doing the players a disservice on the defensive side because, again, there are instances, perfect yeah. Where it's intent. It's sure. malicious. He's got a history of it. I think that should be taken into consideration. Sure. But these other guys are just trying to play fast, play football, and, and heck, stop an offense. that all the rules benefit the offense anyway. I just think it's crazy. I don't think Jalen Ramsey should have got ejected, by the way. And he didn't. Yeah. But I also don't think Josh Jones should have been ejected. And he did.
1: Listen, I'm from the belief that 99, probably 95% of targeting calls that I see in college and the NFL, that would put players getting ejected, I don't agree with. Yeah. Simple as that.
0: I'm never going to get off that damn rule in college football. I get they're trying to clean the game up. But, and maybe they have.
1: You know, oh, maybe I have. wouldn't
0: have lasted a game. Oh, I'll
1: be honest with you. I, would, I wouldn't have
0: lasted a game. It Brent. might Simples be working. That. Maybe it is working. I'll I just, i I'll always go to that one kid, man. He played in the Swamp two years ago, I think it was. He was playing for Charleston Southern. And the first play of the freaking game, he gets a targeting play, and he had to get out of the game. And there was no intent at all. Yeah. And he hit him in a helmet, and he had to leave. Ten seconds into playing in the Swamp, the kid played college football for that moment that moment alone like i'll never forget it and to me it's like the poster child of why you should not be ejected from a game there has to be some kind of better judgment from the people upstairs uh more so than an automatic ejection i think it's the the dumbest rule in college football and now we just saw it enter the nfl uh yesterday as well with the ejection again i have no problem with the flag 15 Mm -hmm. yards and a flag i have no problem with that but the ejection is it is is crazy yesterday, and I think it's crazy in college football. Uh Let's get to some bigger picture NFL. We'll get to the Jags kicking game. Actually, there are, there's news here. Oh yeah, let's get to Steven real quick in a second. But speaking of Stevens, Steven Hauschka let go. Mm. Uh, the Jags kicker. We'll get to the kicking situation a bit. But uh John Brown activated. The news today is that Josh Lambeau, The Jags think they'll have them next week against the Chargers. Now they hope, actually, I shouldn't say think, because they really thought they'd have them after the bye week. But now that the bye week's been shifted around... They're not sure they can get him quick enough for the Chargers game. He may miss the next two weeks, but an update on Lambeau, the kicking situation should get better, yeah. maybe in the next two games, but definitely after the bye week. If not, Jags are going to have to suffer through whatever they're suffering through for the next two weeks. John Brown's next on the list, and quite frankly, right now, I don't even know if I'd sign a contract to kick for the Jags <laughs> because it feels like something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to the kicking situation, but that's the latest news on yeah. uh Hauschka cut John Brown activated from the practice squad. Uh, let's get Steven on the line real quick. I think you want to talk penalties uh, here on action sports. Jackson ESPN 690. What you got? Uh,
1: well, I agree with you wholeheartedly, you know, he should have been penalized and you know, that should have been that. And you, both of you guys are right. I mean, these penalties favor the offense every time. And my main thing is, you know, it's coming down to these refs on judging what roughing the passer is. I mean, Me and Austin played defensive line. Being around 300 pounds, going full speed, we can't stop on a dime. And when we see that arm go up, we're just trying to get there before the ball goes off, but the refs are expecting these big muscle-bound guys to stop on a dime.
0: And it's tough to stop on a dime with that much force going forward. Absolutely. Thanks, well, Stephen. Yeah. Appreciate it. Uh, and, and listen, even 200 pounds of me would be having no, trouble and, and stopping listen, on the
1: dime. And then here's exactly the problem. You're having a bunch of guys sit in a room, break down footage and say, well, this is this. this we have to clean up the game here. Like these guys are going to hurt. We got to clean up the game. We got to we got we to gotta put on for the shield here, if you will. And You have a bunch of guys making rules, trying to slow the game down, thinking secondary guys think way too much. And these guys making these rules that have never touched a a down of football in their entire lives that have never played the game that have never been in that position like Josh Jones was in that have never been in a position like a defensive lineman is in. Like it's just it's frustrating because it'd be one thing if you had a committee of ex NFL players, right? And they all got together like, Hey, you know what? Let's clean up the game a little bit here, here, here. But you got a bunch of guys with a bunch of computers and a bunch of videos saying, Well, we, we got to clean this up because this looks bad. No, like you don't, you don't understand it. Like you, you haven't been out there. So how are you going to try to justify the rules and make players adapt to
0: you? Yeah, I, uh, I'm with you. Uh, it's a tough business to be in because yeah. you're trying to make things safe. So that's why I'm running for Austin Lane Rules Committee <laughs> 2021. Put me in yeah. there, NFLPA. I'm i in. I wouldn't run for anything in 2020. <laughs> that's
1: why I said
0: 2021. <laughs> we we'll use our platform. We'll fill up the, uh, the vacant political ads in 2021 <laughs> <laughs> for you. Yeah. Uh, hey, Dak Prescott, man, the injury. Seems like one of the good guys in sports, right? Yeah, uh, great story in sports. He's got a phenomenal story. We talked about him. He's had a tough go with it uh, from his brother to his mom to a lot of different things, uh, and and he's having an unbelievable season to start. So, it's part of the game. I mean, you get these injuries. I mean, it's a violent game. I've said it a million times. It's part of the game. I think the story coming out of here, it's it's interesting irony because we have this great celebration of Alex Smith's comeback. On yeah. the day that now Dak Prescott goes down. I'm just going to bring this and, up. And I don't know if the two are that much alike. I really feel like Alex Smith's injury sounds like, at least here within a 24-hour period, way more devastating than, than Dak Prescott's. Fortunately, sure. I think Prescott's going to have to rehab. It's going to be a long road back. But I don't think his career is in jeopardy, at least from what it sounds like, what you read, what people are reporting. Uh, not the case with Alex Smith, but you can't get over the irony of the great story of Alex Smith. Yeah. At the very least, it will give motivation to Dak Prescott to be able to come back because two years later, Alex Smith's on a football field. So gro- gross injury, all that stuff, uh, now hampers the Cowboys' chances because even though they have a capable guy in Andy Dalton, Dak Prescott was playing at a crazy level. Yep. So, but it brings us to that old franchise tag. Yeah, You know, th- to me, that's kind of the secondary story. And one should be the health of Dak Prescott. Uh, and I know everybody's talking about it all across the country today. But it does bring it to that franchise tag, man. Listen, he's getting $34 million or $31 million to play on the tag. Yeah. Plenty of money. I mean, it's, it's not like he's playing for $400,000. But he also had an opportunity To sign a long-term extension, they couldn't come to an agreement. Depends what side you believe. I mean, maybe he turned down something that he should have taken. Uh, Maybe they should have given him more. Yeah. We've talked franchise tag before. Hmm. The neighbors ring that bell for Miss Jenny. Said, I can't wait to hear what Austin has to say about that franchise tag. Yeah. (laughs) So no pressure, man, but the stage is yours. Well, <laughs>
1: that's quite the setup there, and it's funny because we each shared the exact same sentiments about Alex Smith. Like it was almost like it was. I'm not sure if you've ever seen Avengers before, but Thanos, one of the main villains, talks about everything's perfectly balanced, right? Like we we celebrated Alex Smith coming back, and then in, in the next time slot of games, then Dak Prescott goes down. It was just um, it, it was a bummer to say the least. The franchise tag. You know exactly how I feel about the franchise take, and much to the chagrin of even Jaguars fans out there, when I talked about it with Yannick Ngakwe, and, and they say, "Well, you don't really know what a loophole is." The franchise take is a loophole, okay? It's a loophole designed to essentially keep players at bay, and you put them behind the eight ball. And this is a classic example right now. Do you know why? Because yes, Dak Prescott had a catastrophic injury. um It made my stomach queasy just looking at it. Like, literally, his foot was facing the wrong direction, man. Like, it was just, it was such a gruesome and gnarly injury, and I don't ever want to see it again. Like, it's been, you know, on Twitter and Facebook. I don't got to see that one again. I get it. That was so bad. With that being said, though, knowing Dak Prescott, he's going to recover. He's going to come back, and he's going to put the time with the physical therapy, and he's going to come back maybe even stronger than he was before. The problem is, is that he's not going to be compensated for that. Right? Because now we're talking about a guy whose contract just drastically went downhill. Why? Because of a freak injury. Because if some of something that happens in the NFL every single year. And this is my problem, once again, and I've been so adamant about this, with the franchise take. Who is it really helping? It does not help the player. Don't tell me it does. It is geared towards the owner and the higher-ups above. Right? And I think that in terms of the franchise take... This situation right here, to me, won't put the franchise take to sleep quite yet. But I think it gets the conversations going. Because like you said, it's secondary, right? Like, Let's just hope that Dak Prescott recovers 100%, surgery goes well, rehab goes fine, and he gets to play the game that he loves again. And he's got a lot of money. And he's got a lot of money. But what I always say, Brent, it's not about the money, it's what the money says. And unfortunately, right now, the money's going to say, hey, Dak, you know what? Yeah, that catastrophic injury last year. Yeah, you're probably still going to be the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys going forward. You're a great leader. You're a great role model for our city. You're a great role model for America's team. But you had that injury last year. So you know what? Yeah, unfortunately, we got to, you know that big contract that you wanted? It's going to look a lot less now just because, well, you could be a liability to get hurt again, man. So unfortunately, I know you want to be one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL, but sorry, man, can't do that. Oh, what's that? You don't want to, well, then we'll franchise take you again. And, and this is the problem with the NFL is that you're not rewarding the hard work. You're not rewarding the dedication because injuries happen all the time. And unfortunately, it happened to Dak Prescott. So you know how I feel about the franchise take. I've been very adamant about it. Um It puts players at disadvantages. Uh, I am so surprised that the NFLPA didn't try to tack up more during the new CBA. That That was really a shock to me. Now, maybe obviously the percentages went up a little bit. But, man, it's just – from a player's perspective, and I get like that money looks great on paper, but you gotta worry about the future as well. And the franchise tag does not allow
0: you to worry about the future, and that's what it should be all about. What's the alternative to the franchise tag though? Say the franchise tag does, it goes away. Right. And now so all of a sudden now you have holdouts a lot more because that's, I think, what it is meant to prevent a bit. Sure. Uh, You know, obviously gives leverage to the ownership, but it also does give leverage to the player. I mean, the player can if you want to utilize it that way, I'm not saying it's perfect for the player. Players hate it. They'd rather the long thing. But at the same time, Dak Prescott said, hey, I can take what I can take or I know I'm getting thirty four. Right. Or 31 or whatever he's making. I know I'm getting that number. That's a nice little piece to know. You know, if you're going into a negotiation with your work and you can say, well, I know I'm getting that at the very worst. That's not a bad piece. And so that, you know, maybe intensifies negotiations. So what I'm trying to figure out is, okay, say that's not an option anymore. Do we get into. A world where there's more holdouts do we get into a world where hey we can't meet right now and figure out the the long term we can't come to six years 40 million dollars a year 240 million dollar deal for dak so let's settle on a year contract for 30 million anyway or a two-year for 60 million we'll be at shorter term deals for negotiations that aren't going so well or does the player just not play or walk and go somewhere else
1: i mean the, the i think the player can just not play and walk and go someplace else eventually you know now obviously the quarterback it's it's a little different. But I think we're seeing right now, Brent, we talk about all the time on the show, where players are starting to have a lot more power and they're starting to recognize that, right? And maybe you can see a paradigm shift in the terms of you know what? If you're a player and you're a big star and you're getting franchise tagged, maybe you say, you know what? No. Either you pay me what I'm worth or I'm not gonna play. Simple as that. And then you hold the the team hostage. And Jan might have done that here. And Jan might have done that. Because at the end of the day, listen, all the franchise tag is, it's a lease. Yeah, they 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 want you in that moment, but do they truly want you for the future? I don't know. I mean, every every franchise takes different. But like, if I'm a player and if I'm trying to send a message in the locker room, especially a guy like Dak Prescott, who is the leader, who is the general, he's got how many ice cream? Not ice cream. He's got yogurt commercials. Like you wouldn't <laughs> believe. Like the guy is the household name, and anytime you send a message to that guy and say, you know what, we're just gonna have you on a lease this year. Yeah, we like you. We like you, but yeah, there's always upgrades out there. Like, why why don't I going to escalate this year when maybe Tesla comes out with an SUV next year? I don't know. Let's just see. It. I'm just going to lease you right now, and let's go ahead and reevaluate it next year. That's all the franchise tag is. And to me, it sends the wrong message to that locker room. It sends a wrong message to the player. And it, it just it kind of shows the, the players that, you know what? You're a pawn. You're yeah. a piece of property.
0: You're, yeah. you're not even part of the team. Well, I guess we all are in some way, shape, or form. I uh, believe it. The, uh, speaking, speaking of that, man, what's our franchise, franchise going to come up pretty soon? You know what last, I'm saying? Last thought on yeah. this, though, real quick. Does this actually? Do you think he actually gets paid because of this? I'll tell you why in a weird way. Okay. Right? There's all these folks that the, the sentimental value of Dak is big, right? And now Jerry Jones going to feel that. Mm-hmm. And he can't – can he be hard, got hard, you know, whatever businessman yeah. and be like, I don't want that guy, ankle injury. You know? I mean that – feels like you're the bad guy if you do that against good guy Dak. And then on top of that, what if they don't play well? Andy Dalton doesn't play well. They're like, shoot, see what we're missing? See what we need? I mean, is is there a way given the fact, obviously the idea that he's going to be healthy, he's going to come back. Yeah. You know, I almost wonder if it could help him get a longer term deal. I mean, it's still a risk, but everything's a risk. Listen,
1: It's a risk, but there's a reason why Jerry Jones is essentially I think a billionaire, right? And he's around the game of football for a long time. I don't see Jerry Jones being the generous type I see Jerry Jones being the keeping the cash close to the chest type. So maybe you're right. Um, but I don't think Jerry Jones really cares about the, the outlash of fans or fans rallying around on Twitter saying, you should pay Dak Prescott. I don't think Jerry Jones operates like that.
0: Yeah, probably not. Uh, we'll see what happens. Dak Prescott uh, Hope it's full recovery. He's been playing great football. Now we'll see what happens with the Dallas Cowboys, too. They did get the win over the Giants, but that is a mess in the NFC East, yeah. uh, no doubt about it. We come back uh, more on the Jags' kicking game, more on the rest of the NFL in this show. We'll, we'll touch on a little college football, too. Wild weekend. The Gators lose. No defense still in Gainesville. All the way on ESPN 690. Great day of football. Great atmosphere out there. Uh, crowd was certainly a factor in the game. I will certainly say that. I know our governor passed that rule, so certainly, hopefully, the university administration decides to let us pack the swamp for LSU next week. hundred percent, because that crowd was a major factor in the game. And so I certainly hope our university administration follows the governor. Our governor has passed a rule that we're allowed to pack the swamp. We have 90,000 in the swamp to give us that home field advantage that Texas a has today. Listen, <laughs> college
1: coaches,
0: Can I say a man? couple
1: things, man? All College right. coaches, go ahead. You go first. Listen, so we're the official station of the Forest State Seminole. so I don't care what Gators fans think about what I'm about to say right now. I really don't care. But um, I can't stand coaches that are delusional. And Dan Mullen during that press conference right there was delusional because he's trying to attribute the Texas A&M fans. I watched every minute of that game, and he's trying to attribute the Texas A&M fans to the reason why they lost. What, did, the, did the A&M fans have to do with you not making tackles? Did the Aggie fans have to do with you not being able to stop the run whatsoever? Come on, Dan. Like, I expect more from him, Brent. I'll be honest with you, man. Like, you really going to bring up the crowd like that was the factor. That was the deciding factor while the Florida Gators got beat.
0: Not your defense. It was the crowd. What are we talking about? Yeah, I, this is my problem. I've long had a an issue with overall, not personally with Dan Mullen, not personally with Nick Saban, Dabble Swinney on you. I have a... Problem with the overall nature of college football and college basketball, where it's all about me and the ego and everything else, and 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 what this does is this feeds into that ego that well I wouldn't have lost I couldn't have lost How did I lose the game No somebody else it, it's like the thing I always say about like golfers Right when I ask that how, why do Why are golfers like How do they mentally tough Like why do they work with uh, swing coaches Why do they work with sports psychologists And sports psychologists will say it's never their fault Yeah Well I mean, if you really look at Dan Mullen in the first three weeks of the season, he attributed their inability to stop Ole Miss to the fact that they hadn't tackled since the bowl game. Like I said it then, and we said it on the show. It said it sounds like an excuse. Like yeah. that's not accountability. That's an excuse. And now you have this game where they still can't stop anybody three weeks later, which means they're not coaching them up. Which means I think that's more on Todd Grantham than it is Dan Mullen. But they're not coaching them up to the point three weeks in that they still can't tackle, still can't stop anybody. And now it's the crowd. And by the way, you want ninety thousand in the swamp? There was not ninety thousand no. <laughs> at Kyle Field. No. So. It's just – it was – and he really didn't step down from that today. I mean, he did – he was less forceful on it. Like, he pivoted a little bit. But it was more like, I would love to see 90,000 fans, and you know, that kind of thing. It wasn't as – like, the other day was like he was lobbying for the folks at Florida to say, hey, we're not going to win games unless we have 90,000 people there. Yeah. Listen – One of the major things I learned about
1: playing college football and one of the lessons that was passed on to me from every single coach at Murray State University, and I assume it's still like this all around the country, maybe it's changed, but it's it's accountability. Like If if you don't have a team that has accountability, you're not going to win a lot of games. If you're Dan Mullen and you're in the SEC, and let's be honest, man, you're the head coach of the Florida Gators. You have one of the most powerful jobs probably in the state of the Florida. And if you can't take accountability for yourself, for how your defense is playing, how do you expect your players to take on accountability? What kind of message are you sending right now when it says, you know what? we have to play better defense. Nah, let's go the other route and say, that, that Aggie crowd was insane, okay? Did you guys hear that? We couldn't, we couldn't handle that. Like, Florida Gators, come out it's full support in the Swamp because that was insane in Texas A&M. Have you played in the SEC before? Don't sit here and tell me that the Aggie crowd was the reason why you guys lost a game. I've heard loud crowds before.
0: That wasn't one of them. They put up, so put it to bed and put it back in the deck. They put up 38 points where you're going to feel the crowd is most likely on offense. They put up 38, <laughs> 38 points. They were unstoppable. On offense until a fumble. The problem, the reason they lost that game is Texas A&M was twelve for fifteen mm-hmm. on third down. Let me say that again: twelve for fifteen on third down and one for one on fourth down. That is the reason they lost that football game. And uh, it's just here's Mullen today. He says, "Yeah, I've been preparing for LSU." He, he shrugged off a lot of the questions about it. Yeah, uh, he said, "I'll be honest. I think if you look at what we've been able to do, the safety precautions we have that our players have followed, our coaches follow, our staff follows. You know, I think we're a model of safety of what we've been doing during this time period." I'm really proud of how we've handled everything. goes on to say, I think Texas A&M, actually, they created a great atmosphere of the game, created an exciting atmosphere. I thought they did a great job of doing that. I haven't talked to people here because I've been really focused on trying to beat LSU. But, you know, whatever our government officials all say and what everybody does for the game, what we need to do, however, as many people they allow into the stadium, we need to try to work as hard as we can. All the Gator fans and all of us create the best game day atmosphere we can. And so he you know he really pivoted from it and and by the way if you're that adamant and you want to bring that up and that's a talking point in your post game after you lose you know in college station yeah well then maybe you should have had a conversation or two with the president or somebody else and maybe he did and he's just not saying yeah. the whole thing is bad it's it's an optic that's really bad and Coming off a loss, it makes it worse. If it was a win, you'd have a little more power to say it. Yeah. But it just the whole thing on how it went down. Not a good moment for Dan Mullen there. Uh, I thought over the weekend. And by the way, from a football standpoint, they're unbelievable on offense. They're fantastic on offense. He's doing a great job with what the program. He's doing a great job with their offense. They can't play defense, and not many people can in college football right now. Correct. But they lost a football game. They probably shouldn't have lost. I mean, they they sh- they they had. Texas A&M on the ropes, and they fumbled away a ball late, but I don't even know if I'd blame that. I mean, they just couldn't stop anybody for a third straight week. That's why they lost the football game. And listen. Not because of the crowd. No,
1: exactly. And I can come along with Dan Mullen and say, you know what, like maybe Dan Mullen thinks that he wants the full crowd there in the swamp because obviously it's going to give energy, right? And it's going to get guys up for that game. But listen, man. All right, this is SEC. This is called the, the 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 pretty much my entire lifetime, I have to hear about how great the SEC is compared to the Big Ten, compared to the ACC. It's the king of football. If it's truly the king of football, then like everyone preaches that it is, do you really need a crowd to get you hyped up to play LSU? Oh, I'm sorry. Isn't LSU one of your biggest rivals? Isn't LSU the defending champions? Isn't LSU kind of struggling right now, looking to knock you out, come into the swamp and take charge? What more incentive do you need? Do you need, you know, 20,000 people singing Tom Petty? Or do you need something else? Because let's be honest, man. This is college football. It's a violent game. You shouldn't need that crowd incentive to get you guys hyped up, supposedly, if it truly is the almighty SEC.
0: By the way, uh, I think they're absolutely going to crush LSU this weekend. Like, I don't even think it's going to be close mm. because LSU isn't good. Mm-hmm. Like, LSU is not good. Yeah. And and that's been proven already. And and by the way, I mean, I don't know if they should get a pass. I think the great coaches build the the culture of your program, and they win, 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 like all the time, even after a national title. I mean, Dabble's proven that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Nick Saban's doing that. So I'm not sure Orgeron, Orgeron is in that category, or if he just got lucky for a year, or they put it together for one year. Lucky's bad. But I mean, he put it together for one year. They lost so much at the early season's. You know, struggles don't surprise me that much for LSU. They're just not that good. They're gutted, though, man. You know, they're not that good. Florida is good. Mm -hmm. You know, Florida lost to a decent team. You can lose on the road in college football, and Texas A&M did their thing, and they got away with one. Florida's still a good football team, I think, especially on the offensive end. I think they're going to run them out of the swamp. You know, with three fans or 300,000 fans, I think they're going to run them out of the swamp on on Saturday. So I don't even think that's going to be a big game. Just a weird vibe from mullen on this whole issue it it just is is not wasn't good it's just uh it it wouldn't even make sense like i don't even think he'd want that like i don't even think florida would want that view yeah of and i understand it's happened in other places whether it's high school football games or whatever it might be but i don't think they want to deal with ninety thousand people in the swamp right now like there's no way they're going to allow that i know the governor's opened it up but Miami's not allowing it down there. Correct. Jags aren't allowing it here. I mean, these are businesses making money that could make money because the governor's allowed it and they're not doing it. Yeah. Well, Ford ain't doing it either. So it was just a weird diversion because you, like, if you're mulling, you know, they're not doing it, right? I mean, that's like, you're bringing this up. Like, I I wonder if he got a little scolded today on that. I don't know if football coaches get scolded, but I wonder (laughs) if he got a little scolded on that. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Listen, like, we're not opening it up. Like, we're not doing that. Like, why would you even bring that up? Why yeah. are we getting all this attention? Why is Brent talking about it right now on this show? <laughs> like, why are why are they talking? Why is it a headline on ESPN? Listen, like, why did you bring this up?
1: I know you lost the game that you're probably supposed to win. I know Jimbo Fisher got the best even. I know emotions were high. But even when emotions are high and you have time to decompress after that game, you got to read the room, man. Okay. And regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum right now, to say that you're going to fill the swamp with 90,000 people after a loss, especially probably isn't sending the right message that Florida wants to convey right now. Now, maybe I'm wrong or maybe I'm right.
0: I'm just saying, Dan Mullen, you got to read the room and just make sure your football team's right. Okay, focus on them, please. By the way, this is what happens in college football. Bigger picture, like Nick Saban, I don't think he's totally I think it was more player that said it like that. Ole Miss had their signs? Yeah, yeah. Right? Did yeah. you see that? Like no, their no, defensive sure. yeah, signals? Yeah, 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 it's yeah. like, come on. But like, first of all, it's the crowd. Now it's the signs. Well, Maybe well, you just stink one. on defense. But,
1: no kidding, right? But how unique is it that we're talking about Nick Saban? Remember when Nick Saban a couple years ago had a problem with students leaving early? And said, like, he doesn't want the student uh, to cheer for the Alabama Crimson Tide and not stay for the whole game. So, like, he had a problem with the crowd as well. What's up with SEC coaches and the crowds, man?
0: I tell you, it's not just SEC coaches, big time coaches in college basketball and college football. They live in a world that does not exist. You know, yeah. and and they live in this egomania world where they don't even try it. They're not trying. It's a subconscious thing, mm. but it, it happens, and that's what we're seeing here. I mean, that's what this is. I mean, I, I see this. Nick Saban probably is like, what am I watching here? Like, I'm giving <laughs> up this <laughs> many points to a guy that, like, used to be on my staff. Yeah, Ole Miss uh, yeah. is doing this. Like, yeah. why are did they you, doing this to us? Did you hear Lane Kiffin on College Game Day? Did you watch
1: College Game Day? No. Oh, uh, even like dude, we even talked about like, Lane Kiffin's like, yeah. It was kind of like a bad marriage. Like, there were some good parts, a lot more bad parts. I'd like, asked them about, you know, playing Nick Saban and everything. Like,
0: Kiffin was, you know how Kiffin yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. He's completely Kiffin's candid. very good at calling. See, that's yeah. the problem. That's why I said two weeks ago is defense dead. Because yeah. these guys are so good at calling games now. Mm-hmm. Dan Mullen's right there. Yeah. You know? And they've got, they're have they winning. They have more chess pieces mm-hmm. than Nick Saban, the defensive-minded guy. Sure. You know, Steve Sarkeesian's doing a great job at Alabama. Mm-hmm. The offensive, uh, yeah. doing what they're what they're doing, throwing up crazy numbers with Mac Jones. But they have more chess pieces right now on the offensive side of the football, especially in college football. I think even in the NFL, than even the great Nick Saban, the great Bill Belichick, those guys, they, they just, they're playing against a bit of a stacked deck. Sure. Uh, right now. And it's tough on defenses. Uh, big one this weekend. Uh, Alabama, Georgia should be fantastic. Yeah. We'll talk more about it later in the week. Um, Florida State actually looked okay. Uh, you heard that one right here on ESPN six ninety. Yep. Moral victories are a thing for Florida State. I mean, it has. They are.
1: They, they, they need some kind of victory, Brent. Yeah, you know, you're, you're not wrong. I guess, and I, I watched a lot of that game. And my question to you is, if you were to break down this Florida State Seminole team during training camp, where are they the most strongest? Would you say like, defense? What, thank you. It's Unbelievable. More, more specifically, though, the defense interior. I yeah. think right. They're getting For whatever beat up. reason, they cannot stop the run, especially up the middle to save their lives. But and, I would just say another nobody can. It's good point. Yeah, I guess.
0: Nobody can stop anybody. I guess. I mean, I, I don't maybe that's an excuse. There's probably yeah. more to it in Florida State. The only team that can really stop anybody is Georgia. Yeah. You're, no, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, you're not, I whoa, think hey, they're the only. There's wait, probably wait,
1: some others. Wait till the Wisconsin Badgers show up and show you how to <laughs> stop the run, okay? Yeah, just just, they just they don't Come couple Wisconsin Badgers. Okay. Hey, just, just saying, though. Just, got... Hey, all of a the Big Ten's going to come out. There's those 12 to 10 <laughs> games that we've been missing. <laughs> yes. there I are, it uh, is. Yeah. 6 to 3. Nebraska.
0: Let's go, everybody. <laughs> uh, college football weekend, bizarre one again. We'll talk more about it tomorrow and as the week goes along because that Alabama Georgia game's a big one. Alabama, they don't look great. Uh, are they vulnerable? Uh, and how many points will be scored in that one, especially against Georges D? It's a collision of strengths, uh, no doubt about it. We'll be back. Uh, we're going to take a break. Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. We talk a little bit about the kicking game. We'll update you on the house situation. He has been cut. Who's in? Who's out? When do we see Josh Lambeau again? That's just part of the discussion when we come back on ESPN 690.